Thank you for joining us here at Second Baptist Church. Today you will be hearing one of our members teach from the Bible Studies for Life curriculum. Bible Studies for Life curriculum is provided by Lifeway and is a curriculum that we use in our Sunday school and Bible study groups at the church. If you are able, we would love to have you join us in one of our groups. Our church meets at 301 Tomberlin Road, and more information can be found at secondbaptistwaycross.com. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. We're glad that you're with us. This is our third week in this new series, Essentials of Christianity. And as we look at these six topics, it kind of helped define what Christianity is and, and how we believe um, these are big topics, and we're going to continue to use the work of the writer as he brings them into a simple way for us to understand. Today we're looking at a topic called the nature of sin, and uh, it's always a fun topic to talk about, but we're going to be in Isaiah 59, which, by the way, is a very encouraging passage as we do it, and so Christy will start us off there. Yeah, the point of the lesson today is that we are sinners and on our own, we can do nothing about it. And I really liked um, how he geared into this lesson with just pointing that out. And the introduction, if you have your books, talks about a kid and how they, if you, if you have kids, you know what we're talking about. Um, you probably don't remember being a kid and doing this yourself, maybe. But how that kids are experts in saying no. You tell a kid to do something, they're like, no, I'm not going to do it. We've had four. We ha currently have a, a young one, and he's very good at saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And he just kind of paralleled that with how that we do that as adults, too. We, we don't necessarily tell people no, but in our hearts, in essence, we, we do. We, we buck authority and, you know, how that if we say no, we are rejecting the authority of whoever we're saying no to. And you have anything you want to expound on on that? No, it's a, it's, it's a good way as we begin to look at sin. And, and some of you may really struggle with this. Um, I do. Uh, when we look at sin because of uh, the way I was so much taught about sin was this, look at you. Um, and uh, we're going to look at Scripture. And Scripture reveals... God's heart towards us and that's the encouraging thing as we look at it and when we understand uh, how sin comes about uh, and, and, and uh, as we've studied this passage I, th I think you'll be encouraged so hang with us uh, as we go through this lesson okay so Isaiah 59 begins in verse 1 it says indeed the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear is not too deaf to hear but your iniquities are separating you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not listen. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues mutter injustice. No one claims justly. No one pleads honestly. They trust in empty and worthless words. They conceive trouble and give birth to iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Crack one open, and a viper is hatched. As we begin to get into this passage, Christy's going to give us some, some thoughts on sin that come from the writer here. But one of the realities of it is remembering this, that God has put us in the world and created us to serve, to serve Him and to serve others. 
Uh, and sin is the great obstacle to both of those things. So Christy's going to jump in here and begin to uh, expound upon what the writer's given us in this passage. Um, I just underlined a few things in the book. What exactly is sin? And he goes right back to Genesis chapter 3 when it talks about the very first sin and how the Adam and Eve deliberately disobeyed God um, when he asked them not to eat a certain tree in the garden. And as a result of that sin, it separated them from God's presence. Um, yes, they did something they, he had asked them not to, but the ultimate um, punishment is that typically they were able to walk and talk with God in the garden, and now they didn't have that access to him. And he just pointed out here that that is what sin is. It's knowing what we shouldn't do and doing it anyway. It's a deliberate type of thing. Um, missing the mark is what Daniel always reminds the youth of and our kids. Yeah, and, and it, you know, the, the word sin literally means to, to miss the target. Um, you know, if this, if this is the target and you hit here, then you've missed. Well, what makes sin so unique, especially in this example that the author gives us here, is Adam and Eve missed the mark uh, in this case, intentionally. Mm -hmm. You know, the mark was God said, don't eat of that tree. And Adam and Eve said, well, the tree looks good. We'll eat of it. Um, and so they, they did. Um, we're going to look later, as Isaiah begins to lay out the behavior of the children of Israel, there were times when it's like they missed the mark unintentionally. But then they said, okay, fine, the mark was here, and I hit over here. I'm just going to go over here and paint a circle over here and pretend that like that was the mark. Mm -hmm. And, and God looks at that, and it's like, no, this was the mark. This was the point you were aiming for. Um, and so, uh, man, sin certainly is, is all about our moral behavior. It's all about the way we care for others. But it doesn't begin with morality. It ends with morality. And see, I, I kind of grew up with the impression that sin began with morality. In other words, if I just get my morals right, if I just did these 10 things right or whatever, then I would be okay. Um, instead of realizing that my focus should be on God and focus should be on others, and that's going to drive my morality. So. Right. It, sin is not just doing the bad stuff like sometimes we think about. It's what we do when we place our agenda mm -hmm. above what we should be doing. Um, it's selfishness. That is what sin is. It's choosing us over what it is we should be doing at the present time. Um, and I struggle with this majorly. Um, fostering is, is hard work. Mentally, emotionally draining. And, and I struggle with, with selfishness very much. Yeah. I, I, I certainly do too. It's been, been a fun week. My goodness. Um, what a week to have this lesson, but the, the reality of, you know, the illustration the author gives us of, is what happened to Adam and Eve. And what happened to Adam and Eve is God actually came to them that night, just like he had every other time previously. But he came to them saying, hey, we got to fix this, this thing. You, you know, you intentionally did this. And it would be, if you're a parent, it would be like coming home and you asking your kid to, you know, mow the yard, clean up the house, whatever. And they've walked out there and done something that they absolutely know 100% doesn't do the job. 
And you know, as a parent, you walk up and you're like, okay, so do I address this issue or do I ignore it? Well, for the well-being of our children, we know we have to address the issue. And if you're a kid, you know, you're, you know, and your parents are, I mean, let's be like if you asked your parents to make you a lunch and they threw rocks in your lunchbox. I mean, you know, as a kid, you, you would say to them, mom and dad, I mean, what, what is, what is the purpose of this? And so God comes to Adam and Eve that night. He still comes because he's God. I mean, he, God is always coming. He is always present. He is always seeking. Uh, he comes to Adam and Eve, but he says, hey, we, we, we got to talk. And Adam and Eve went and hid because they knew what they did. And I mean, we hide emotionally. I mean, I yeah. do. Um, we hide emotionally, we hide physically, we hide intellectually, uh, we hide morally, we hide, we hide in so many ways uh, when, when we intentionally miss the mark. Right, and sometimes when we think of sin, we think of the big stuff. Like, yeah. um, you know, if you watch the news this week, there's some things that are going on in Georgia. And you think, oh, that's a sin, that's yeah. bad stuff. But the writer pointed out here that placing small choices in place of what we should be doing is a big deal and it really is it's it's moment by moment decisions it's just little small things that we choose us and what we want over someone else or over what we know that we're supposed to be doing and that's where it starts because if you let any little crack slip open with selfishness it's going to get bigger i mean if if i eat one chocolate piece of candy I want the whole bag and that's kind of like sin too I mean it really is a lot like sin yeah yeah absolutely and this passage was just so good because like Daniel said God is always present but when you read Isaiah 59 1 through 5 who is doing the separating it's us the Lord's arms not too weak mm -hmm. his ears not too far away but our iniquities our small decisions of being selfish are what keep us from having that communication with god it's like when you do something against your you know a child against a parent or even a parent against a child i mean we do that against our own children it's hard to sit in the living room and watch a tv show with them because there's there's tightness right. in the room there's an air and so it's just like one of your family reunion or something and you've got something with someone else that hasn't been communicated and there's just a, a, da a darkness in the room. That's how it is with God. He's always there. It's just different. Yeah, and, and Isaiah goes on to lay that out and he says, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Uh, and it says your sins in verse uh, two, your sins have hidden his face from you. Um, God hasn't hidden his face. Our sins have become the obstacle. And by the way, if you're recognizing this passage, well, the Apostle Paul quotes it in the book of Romans, are, are pretty verbatim for that. Uh, he goes on to viper's eggs. I mean, and Paul quotes literally this passage out of Psalm 59 here. Uh, I believe it's in Romans 10. There's therefore now no condemnation, and he goes on to talk about that. So uh, this is the idea of what happens when we begin to set these things forward and allow them uh, in our lives. Yes, and not comparing ourselves to others, not saying, well, at least I don't do that. Because the point is that we are all sinners. Yeah. We've all missed the mark. Um, no compare, comparing games here. Moving on to the next verses, um, and thankfully they keep it right within Isaiah 59, so we're right in the next verse, verse 6. Their webs cannot become clothing, 
and they cannot cover themselves with their works. Their works are sinful works, and violent acts are in their hands. Their feet run after evil, and they rush to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are sinful thoughts. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. They have not known the paths of peace, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made their roads crooked. No one who walks on them will know peace. So, and, and let's just take a minute here and, and kind of be our student moment for you, if you will. The idea here is of people who realize that they've made mistakes, whether willful or, or you know, just by ignorance. ignorance, yeah. And instead of going back and going to the beginning and saying, okay, God, you know, what do we need to do? How do we need to behave? And by the way, they had a prophet the whole time telling them what they needed to do. And they, they just keep compounding the problem. And it says they cannot cover themselves with their works. They keep trying to just stretch over it. And it talks about how the violent acts are in their hands. And so for our students, I want you to just think for a minute of what happens when you forget to turn in a, an assignment uh, for school and you didn't do it. So it's at home. So the teacher asked for it, you didn't do it. So you, you, you tell a story, you tell a lie, you, you do whatever. And so and the next thing you know, you're having to create havoc and misery within your family or within your class to get away with this lie and this story that you told instead of looking at the teacher and saying, I don't have it because I didn't do it or I don't even know where it's at or whatever the situation may be. And this is what's happened. It says their feet run to evil and they rush to shed innocent blood. And we say, oh, they're going around killing people. That's not me. I'm not going around killing people. Uh, but for example, if you come home from school and you have a sibling, uh, and, and I do this, I've done this and I do this. When you come home from school and you've allowed this issue told this lie, you've made up a story, whatever the situation is, and now you're angry and you walk in your house and there's your sibling and they got to get out of your way because they're the problem. Because what we do is we transfer, and I mean, I do this, we transfer the pain, the frustration, the angst that we've allowed and brought upon ourselves to somebody else. And that's what this statement is that their feet run after evil and they rush to shed innocent blood because we got to go find somebody else to to, mm -hmm. to shift the blame to uh, and for the israelites that was a very certain group of people at different times and so yeah and if you're a parent um you may have a bad day at work or with a co-worker or maybe you know you stay home and you get frustrated at your husband or whatever it is and you pick the kids up and all it takes is one little thing and then you snap on them so it can go both ways parent and child um, you know we're quick to correct our kids when they go off on their siblings but sometimes we need to stop ourselves um, and even when we try to cover up what it is and we try to do good he points out that even the good we attempt to do to cover our sin is marred with sin so we have to be so careful that even in trying to fix it or correct our mistakes, so to speak, that it is actually something that we are repentative of because otherwise it's our own selfishness trying to cover up our own selfishness. And we try to make ourselves look bad or we make up excuses for why we act like the way we act. Um, so even our sin is marred with sin. 
we can't just do more good things to outweigh bad things. You know, you, you think of the scales, or I do, and okay, well, if I do enough good, I'll outweigh the bad that I did today. And that's not what sin is. Mm. That's, that's not it at all. Yeah, that's, that's, that's such an interesting point because, I, I mean, I think we would all agree that we probably catch ourselves doing that. Um, regardless of what the sin is, anger, selfishness, frustration, uh, bitterness, envy, whatever it may be, uh, you've done it, you know, for whatever reason that day has happened, you know, and, and so you know there's this imbalance in your life. But the tendency is not to confess, and by confess, that doesn't mean we call up or type on Facebook everything we've done or Instagram or whatever, but it's a matter of saying to God, I was wrong. I was wrong. I either intentionally or unintentionally. And then if you've done something to harm somebody, saying that to them as well, instead of trying to counterbalance it, mm -hmm. because like, like the writer is saying there, that I mean, we basically double sin because we're trying to cover our selfishness with more selfishness by not telling, right. by not admitting we were wrong. Yeah, and if, if you've ever watched Andy Griffith, you know, Barney Fife always says, nip it in the bud. <laughs> and I always think of that when I think of sin because it is like that. Otherwise, it becomes an avalanche and you're just chasing, you're just running while the snow is just coming all around you. And I don't like snow, so I don't even like to visualize that. But if you go ahead and kind of catch, oh, goodness, what I just said or did or the way I felt about this person was wrong, then it'll help you not to let the avalanche come chasing you when you get home and you, you know, face other issues. To go ahead and nip it right there. Yeah. Um, there is a question here. Um, what are some common ways people try to cover up their sinfulness? Um, we just said one of the ways is to excuse it. Oh, well, I was just having a bad day. Or, oh, well, he just made me so mad and blaming it on someone else. Yeah, and, you know, when we, going back to this, what is, what is, what is sin? It's, it's missing the mark that God laid out for us in regards to our relationship with him and in regards to our relationship with others. And so a lot of the times what we do is we transfer it to other people. Um, you know, they made me angry. They did this. They, and, and certainly people do things that if we allow ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. we become angry. Um, but those are all our choices. They're our personal choices. Um, another way I think that, I mean, that I try to cover sinfulness is invent. For example, like if, if we get frustrated with each other or if it's just a frustrating day, then I've got to invent behaviors on your part that justify me retaliating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kids, once again, this is something y'all can do really good, you know. Your parents come in your room and say, hey, have you done this? And you're like, no. And they walk out and, and then you blow up at them like they were these evil monsters for, you know, asking you to do something that, that they probably have asked, you know, you know you're expected to do. And of course, as a parent, I do the same thing. Yeah, if I get frustrated in the kitchen, if something's not baking the way I want it to go or whatever, and I have to run to one of the kids' rooms for something, just say I'm chasing one of the other kids and just checking on him, and I go in there and that room's a mess, I could, I easily lash out on that kid for their room being dirty when really I'm upset because something's going on in the kitchen. It has nothing to do with them, but it's so easy to do that. So easy. Yeah. I do want to read you a, some t statistics. Do you want to say something first? Well, when we're saying this, don't miss something. 
Don't think that we're sitting here saying, oh, you're a sin, you're sin, this is sin, this is sin. This is an attitude that leads to a behavior. It's an attitude of selfishness. And I don't want you to think we're sitting here saying, oh, every time you're doing something, you're sinning. We're, right. We're, we're um, because I, I found myself thinking, well, and sometimes you'll do something and you're like, oh, was that sin? Was that something yeah, wrong? See, and it's not, see, see. you don't, you shouldn't be doing it like that. It's really just your attitude. Yeah. It really is, like you said, just, wow, that wasn't right. Yeah. I mean, you can be saying the nicest thing ever, but maybe your attitude's wrong yeah, about it. So, um, Like we did a, um, a study of how Americans view sin. And if you know who Lifeway is, it's the Burdick producer, I guess is the word, of publisher, yeah. publisher of a lot of our curriculum in Southern Baptist culture. So if you claim to be a Southern Baptist, go to a Southern Baptist church and you're watching, you probably fit into this category here. So um, he said that 10% don't believe that sin exists. This is within the Southern Baptist community now. 8% believe they aren't sinners. I've met them. <laughs> yeah, we know a few. <laughs> Five percent acknowledge they're sinners, but they're okay with being a sinner. Thirty-four percent know they're sinners, but they're working to be less of one. Twenty-eight percent look to Jesus to help them with their sin problem, and that's where we should be. Most people won't deny that they've made a mistake and they've done things they shouldn't have done, but most people still see themselves as typically good people. And that's where this um, came into play. That's where this, um, what is this called again? A the research, research yeah. thing came into play. That's why they wanted to kind of just take a poll and see where people stood with sin. So the goal here is, yes, recognizing you are a sinner. That's the first step. Um, I think we could all safely say we're sinners. Um, only a few fit into that category that say they're not sinners. Um, but it's not just acknowledging that, hey, I'm a sinner, I've missed the mark, I have a bad attitude. It's how do we, where do we go from there? We're sinners, and on our own we can't do anything about it. We need to ask Jesus for help through our daily lives to help us through our attitudes and that's where I think we'll be finishing up at with Isaiah. Well when we move into the next uh, group of passages it continues to lay out the pattern of behavior that the Israelites had done and it, it's a it's a dismal look. Uh, it really is. I want to go back and read Psalm 50, or Isaiah 59 verse 1. Indeed the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear is not too deaf to hear. Um, this lesson is not to convince you that you're an awful sinner. It's not to even maybe convict you that you are a sinner. What it is is to tell you that, yes, this is our choice. It's our nature and our choice to compound selfish behavior on top of selfish behavior on top of selfish behavior. But God is present, and the Scripture reassures us multiple times, and then through the person of Jesus proves that he is willing and able. Um, and sometimes people say, well, I don't understand how that works. Well, the first thing you do is you reach outside of yourself. And that as you begin to reach towards God and search God and seek God, and even then he begins to work. Um, you know, the scripture says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So as we look at these last verses, uh, just be encouraged. Um, 
God is present. Uh, he's present in the person of Jesus. And the person of Jesus reveals him. In fact, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, they said, uh, Lord, we want to meet God. And, and he's like, um, present? Y'all know me? You read that in John 14. I'm kind of ad-libbing there. But he is God. And so the way he treats people is the way God treats us as well. And we're going to jump right into the next verses, 9 through 13. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we live in the night. We grope along a wall like, a, like the blind. We grope like those without eyes. We stumble at noon as though it were twilight. We are like the dead among those who are healthy. We all growl like bears and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions have multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressions and deception against the Lord, turning away from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, Conceiving and uttering lying words from the heart. So if you're not very familiar with the Old Testament prophets, and to me Isaiah is the most poetic and picturesque of them all, they write using this vivid visual imagery to tell the people this is what God is seeing and then to give the people a sense of their role and involvement with it. And so some of these passages can stretch on for quite some time. And when we begin to examine them in the light of what is sin and how are we sinners, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. That's like somebody just, I mean, they're just pouring it on. But Isaiah is addressing a nation of people, uh, a nation of people that for extended periods of times have, have absolutely repudiated the way that God has designed them to care for their neighbor and design them to uh, focus on him. And so, man, he, he, he pours it on thick. So we're going to finish up by looking at these verses. And then I'm going to read to you the first four or five verses out of the very next chapter. Because Isaiah does not stay in Isaiah 59. There's more. And so I want us to hear that because I need to hear it after reading this passage. Um, the writer, if, if you have your book, I encourage you to read page 34. He um, stated that he used to have a drug problem and addiction. Um, although I've never encountered that with myself, I know a lot of you listening have. And it's just like someone who has a drug problem or has a child or a spouse who's had one. They can't fix it themselves. When you get that deep, you have to have help. And this is the picture here of what these verses are. To me, it reminded me of trying to skate in a skating rink because I used to could not skate and don't think I still could. And just holding onto the wall, that carpet wall in Blackshear and in King's <laughs> Roller Rink, going around that and holding the wall because I couldn't balance and stay up on these things. And so this is the picture I got. We're like, it's like we're there and we're in the skates and we're in the rink, but we can't even really participate in what the crowd's doing because we're just trying to survive and this was the picture he gave of being in the, in the drug addiction um 
if you've ever had to deal with grief on a very personal level, you've also felt like this. And so this is just the picture of how that sin can separate us and, and we don't really know what we're doing. We're just going through the motions. Um, there is a question here. It says, what makes the images of these verses an effective way to describe our lives in sin? I gave you mine, skating rink. Yeah, I think I think that was, I mean, I think that was great because you think of a skating rink, it's dark, it's, it's all those things. It's noisy, it smells like cigarette smoke, all those things. Yeah, um, 80s. They used to smoke in public places. <laughs> yeah, it would stick in that carpet. <laughs> and um, so this imagery is, I think of it almost, uh, you asked the question of what, what, what's an effective way. I think it's a good way. You know, it's dark. You, you can kind of halfway see things, but you can't figure it out. And that's what selfishness does to us. It, it lays on us like a blanket. And we, we starve ourselves. And then we realize that we're serving ourselves and so we double down on ourselves to make us look good in front of others and and it's just this weight of behavioral modifications uh that that can consume us and it, yeah very much so so as we finish i told you i was going to read to you some from isaiah but i'm going to start in isaiah 59 because you need to hear this this is part of this same passage uh, and as we take things like the essentials of Christianity, you know, the author is tasked with a tremendous task of taking five or six topics and finding passages. And he, he's, he's done that very well in this passage. Mm -hmm. But I want to read to you the next passage because we, we don't end there. This isn't our story. Okay. Our story is that God is always seeking people. Our story is that God is always calling people. Our story is that God is always present for those who seek him. This is what he says in verse 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. Then he says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So in light of everything we've just heard, consider these steps and how you can look at the sin nature, which is what we all have, and how we're prone to sin, but how we can recognize and ask Jesus for help in those areas. The first thing is confess your sin um, moment by moment. When you realize, oh, my attitude wasn't right there, confess it and ask for forgiveness. Plan ahead. Um, the hardest thing to do is plan ahead for anything, for going on a trip, for packing, um, for even getting ready for church on a Sunday morning. You have to plan ahead on a Saturday because that's a big deal. Um, evaluate places you're going, you know, if you have temptations, try to, try to plan ahead not to get yourself in a situation that you shouldn't be in. And we've discussed these things with our kids as teenagers. You know, if you know there's going to be some things going on, um, call us. You know, we'll get, we'll get you out of it, whatever. Um, lastly, be accountable. Find someone that you can talk to, um, that you can trust, and share your experiences with them. Share some areas where you can go to them if you need some help, or they can be the one you call when you 
get yourself in a situation and you you know need some help praying about it and getting out of it because even though we're not going to be able to live a sinless life we can sin less and we can ask for help and get help through those situations and our number one um, like Daniel was saying here this lesson's not about beating you up and and putting you down for anything like that we are our own worst critics mm, yeah very much so I know I am I don't need any pastor, evangelist, teacher telling me how bad I am. I know how bad I am. You know, all you have to do is get ready in the mirror every morning or check your attitude before you ever leave for work because I'll be snapping at the kids or whatever. You are your own worst critic. You don't need somebody to tell you how bad you are. But that's not the point of the lesson. The point of the lesson is coming through it on the other side and realizing our attitudes all need to be in check every moment of every day. And just having that support from the people in your church or your friends who can help you pull out of that. Yeah, because one of the realities of it is if God forgives us, we should forgive ourselves. Definitely. Um, and if we seek to forgive others, then we should forgive ourselves. Uh, this passage, this thing is to show us the potential for this stuff to just... It doesn't stop unless we reach outside of ourselves to the person of Jesus and to his work and then begin to involve others that God has given us in that and otherwise uh, we'll live a selfish life that will be consumed with self but God's called us to so much more a life that is about others a life that's about him uh, that we see through the life of others and that's where the challenge and the fun's at it is if, if I'm in a skating rink and I can't skate and you get two professionals that come and grab your arms and you're just skating you don't even have to move. They can sling you around, do whatever with you, and and listen to the music, and, and you're all over the place, and it's great and wonderful. You have help. You have somebody there to guide you, and you can enjoy everything about life, and that's how we are. Like We can't enjoy everything yeah. about life if we're constantly in the dumps, and that's we all live in the dumps at some point, but we've got to get out of that and, and not condemn ourselves constantly for our sin and um, ask God to forgive us and move on and live free and happy. And as we close, maybe that's an idea for a TV show, Skating with the Stars. I don't know. I don't know. I won't be on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us. Thank you.